So as we begin this new year together, we are starting also a new series, a series on forgiveness. And that is partly because over the years, just about every time that I ask, what is it? Are there topics, issues, themes that we need to discuss more in the life of the church? The theme of forgiveness comes up just about every time, if not at the top, then certainly near the top of the list of things that we need to talk about and to get better at in the life of the church. And I can't tell you how many times over the years that someone has come into my office and said essentially, you know, somebody wronged me. Somebody did this thing to me, and it may have happened yesterday, it may have happened years ago, but it owns me. And I can't get over it. I can't let it go. My anger, my bitterness, my rage, my resentment. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to uh, talk about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. We're going to talk about why it's important and how it is that we can move towards the abundant life that Jesus desires for us to have. So the text that you're about to hear this morning as we enter into this time, uh, Jesus is walking along the road with his disciples, and as they walk along, they come across a withered fig tree that is just shriveled to its roots. Now, it just so happens that just the day before, Jesus' disciples had walked along this very same route. And Peter remembers that when they got to this point, Jesus turned and cursed that fig tree. And when he points it out, Jesus says essentially, as you'll hear, whatever it is that you want in life, you can have. But it'll take faith. It'll take work. And part of that work, he says, will be the work to learn how to forgive those who have wronged you. So I invite you to hear this word that comes to us from Mark chapter 11. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Mark chapter 11, verses 20 through 25. In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Jesus answered him, Have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and if you do not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will come to pass, it will be done for you. So I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. The word of God for the people of God. Before I begin, I want to say a special welcome to those that are joining us online this morning, those that are joining us on the radio. I suspect when the weather turns bad like this that we have a larger crowd that joins us that way, and so we're glad for the technology and hope that you feel the sense of being here with us in the building, wherever you may be. So church, do you know anybody? Have you ever met someone that's like that fig tree? It's withered, that's shriveled to its roots in part because they carry with them 
heavy burden of needing to forgive someone, but they can't. And that anger, that bitterness, that resentment, it owns them. I suspect that you might do. You know, what I've found more often than not is that oftentimes we say that we want to forgive. And when someone does something to us, when they wrong us in some way, that we say that we want to forgive that person, but really, really what we want is something different. That we really don't want to forgive them, but what we want is to be freed, to be released from that anger, from that resentment, without having to do the actual hard work of forgiving them. Years ago, when my children were younger, we went out to dinner one night, and we walked into a restaurant, and I've shared, with this, shared this story with some of you before. We walked into a restaurant, and there, near the, the entrance, there was a glass cabinet. And in that glass cabinet were incredible desserts, including cupcakes that were about as big around as your head. And my daughter, Abby, looked at those cupcakes, and immediately she said to her mom, I want one of those cupcakes. And of course, Kelly, being a good mom like she is, what do you think she said? As long as you, as long as you eat your dinner, you can have one of those cupcakes. No problem, Abby says, I got this. So we sat down and she looks at the menu. And she was an early reader, so she was able to see that it said right there on the children's menu, macaroni and cheese. Oh, I got this, she says. So she ordered the macaroni and cheese, but this was not the craft macaroni and cheese that we typically make at home. This was gourmet macaroni and cheese. It had different kinds of stinky cheese, cheese that doesn't, that doesn't belong on macaroni, if we're going to be honest. Well, the problem was is that she didn't like it. She took a few bites and came to the realization that this was not what she had hoped and so she turned to her mom, and of course her mom says, you know, we had a deal. You have to eat your dinner in order to get one of those cupcakes. And I can still remember, this was 15 years ago, and I can still remember Abby sitting there with her hands, tapping her forehead like this, and she says, okay, okay, let's think about this. How can I eat this dinner without having to taste it? How can I eat my dinner without having to taste it? Now, we all know what she's talking about, don't we? And we're not talking about macaroni and cheese. We all know what it's like. That we want to be able to move forward with our lives, to be faithful people of God. But we don't really want to have to go through the difficult process of forgiving those people who have hurt us. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, once said, I used to think that chastity was the most unpopular of all the Christian virtues. <laughs> but I don't think that. That might not be right. He says, everyone says that forgiveness is a lovely idea right up until the point when there is someone who needs to be forgiven. Anne Lamott, one of my favorite authors, used to go around saying that she was not one of those Christians that was heavily into forgiveness, she said. I was the other kind, which I'm not exactly sure what the other kind is. And even though that's funny to say and probably sort of true, it became for her too painful to say. 
You know what they say, that we aren't really punished for the sin, but by the sin. And if you think about that, that's incredibly profound. I could preach for a month of Sundays on that topic alone. We're not really punished for the sin, but by the sin. Well, for her, her unwillingness, her inability to forgive, it became for her a punishment, a heaviness that she was burdening herself with. And she became so tired of carrying that burden around, and she knew that she needed to be able to put it down. Isn't it true? Isn't it true that not forgiving people doesn't nearly hurt the other person as much as it hurts us? That we say, we say, I'm not going to forgive you as a punishment to you, but really the punishment is upon ourselves. As Anne said, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. Whenever we start talking about forgiveness, inevitably somebody says, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't know what that person did to me. Maybe not. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. And, and, and inevitably somebody goes, well, well, what about this? What about that? And they start looking for loopholes to avoid having to do the difficult work of forgiving. Perhaps one of the reasons that we struggle so much with forgiveness is that we don't fully understand what it is, what it looks like, and what it's not. So this morning, what I want us to talk about a little bit is what forgiveness is not, but also what forgiveness is. So when we talk about forgiveness, I'm not talking about condoning what that person did. Forgiveness is not condoning. You know, if I forgive someone, you might say, if I forgive that person, it's just essentially saying that what they did is okay, that it really wasn't all that bad acting like what they did wasn't significant. But that's not at all what I'm saying. You see, to forgive that person, to set them free in the depths of your heart, to resolve to be free from the bitterness and the anger and the revenge, that's different than condoning. Forgiveness and condoning are two incredibly different things. Secondly, forgiveness is not forgetting. You know, there's that common thing, you should just forgive and forget. I would argue that that's not the best process to take. Forgiving, yes. Forgetting, no. If someone does something to you 11 times in a row, forgiving them is different from not letting them do it to you again. Some people are toxic. Some people are dangerous. And they are going to abuse. They're going to hurt. They're going to manipulate you every chance they get. And so you may need to, not you may need to, you do need to set up strong boundaries. And you can forgive them, but that doesn't mean that you ever have to be in the same room with them. It doesn't mean that you have to forget what they've done. Forgiving is not forgetting. I would argue that in some ways it's remembering in a safe and healthy way that I can set that person free. I cannot have the anger, the rage, the malice, but because of what they've done, I'm still going to set up boundaries so that that person doesn't hurt me again. And that's especially true in abusive relationships, whether it's physical or emotional abuse. 
Somebody may say to the person who's going through a situation like that, I know he hit you, but you need to forgive that person. But he may hit me again, you say. Exactly. So you don't forget what they did. You still need to set up boundaries. It's okay to move out. It's okay to get a restraining order. It's okay to let the consequences of that person's actions catch up with them. That is a different issue altogether than the state of your heart. Thirdly, I would say that forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. That forgiveness and reconciliation can sometimes be two different things. And yes, yes, sometimes one can lead to the other. But the difference is is that forgiveness just requires one person. Resolution. Reconciliation requires two. So forgiving that person doesn't mean that you're going to get back together. It doesn't mean that you're going to start another business with that person, that everything is going to go back to the way it was. It may, but it may not. Again, that is a different issue than the state of your spirit. Fourthly, forgiveness is not the same as justice and consequences. If someone breaks into your home and they steal, it's okay to call the police. It's okay to let the consequences of their actions catch up to them. Those are two different issues. And someone may say to you, oh, well, you're a Christian. You're a Christian. You should just forgive them and drop the charges. Well, maybe not. Again, again, that's not forgiveness. Sometimes justice needs to be done. Sometimes the consequences of their actions do indeed catch up with them. And that is different than forgiving them in the sacredness of your own heart. So that's what forgiveness is not. But what is forgiveness? First and foremost, I think forgiving is personal. Forgiving is personal. In all these years of serving the church, I've had people come to me and say, you know, I can never forgive that church for what they did to me. Whether it's this church or another church, I can, I can never forgive the church. To which I say, you're probably right. You can't. Because the church didn't wrong you. The people in the church may have done you wrong, but the church itself didn't. And you can never forgive an institution, an organization. You can never forgive the church Perhaps it's the people in that church, in that organization, in that institution. Let's say, for instance, that you were laid off. And you can say, you know what, I can never forgive that company for what they did. You're right. The company is not who deserves your forgiveness, who needs your forgiveness. It's the people in that company. Forgiveness is personal. And I can't tell you how many times over the years that I've met people that are stuck, that are paralyzed because they can't seem to forgive the institution when it's the people in the institution that need and deserve your forgiveness. Second is that it's a process. Forgiveness is a process. And we're going to be talking about forgiveness for the next few weeks. And the truth is, is that part of the reason we're going to be doing this is because it's a process. It takes steps. And the truth is, is that, you know, it sometimes takes more than five or ten minutes to forgive someone. 
In fact, in fact, maybe the first step, maybe the very first step is deciding that maybe that you don't want that person dead. <laughs> Let's be honest. Maybe that's the very first step. Maybe, maybe by the end of this series, you get to the point where you come to the brave, radical step of coming to the realization that that person may be forgivable after all. It's a process, and it takes time. It begins with small steps, and then another, and then another. And then finally, forgiveness is hard. Let's be honest. Let's be real. Let's be frank. Forgiveness is hard. As Lewis Smedes once said, forgiving is love's toughest work and love's biggest risk. Some might say that forgiveness is the hardest trick in the whole bag of personal relationships. And the truth is, is that we oftentimes do everything that we can to avoid it. But if we do, if we avoid it, if we don't forgive, we wither. We wither like that tree and we die. Now, I realize that when you hurt me and I stay angry with you, well, that's part of the way that I protect myself from you. And refusing to forgive you is not only how I, how I punish you, but it's also how I keep you from getting close enough to hurt me again. And the truth is, is that nine times out of ten, that works. But the only glitch is that there is a very serious side effect to that. And that side effect is called bitterness. And that bitterness can do terrible things to the human body, to the human soul. You see, when someone hurts us, we became angry. And that anger, if it goes untreated, when we fail to find a place for forgiveness, well, that anger becomes bitterness. And pretty soon that bitterness develops into a full-blown case of resentment. And that resentment, that bitterness, that anger, that rage is what Barbara Brown Taylor refers to as arthritis of the spirit. We can picture that, can't we? We can imagine that, that it disfigures our spirit. It causes us unnecessary pain. I guess what I'm trying to say is that there is another motivation from learning how to forgive not only because we owe it to God who has already forgiven us for all of the things that we have done wrong, but also because we owe it to ourselves. Not only do we owe it to God, we owe it to ourselves because that bitterness, that resentment, it deforms us. And maybe you've met someone, maybe you've talked to them for all of about 30 seconds, and you can just see in their face, hear it in their voice, you can feel in their presence just how angry that person is because that forgiveness is like it's like a boomerang that forgiveness is like a boomerang that's something that we use right to to hunt for protection to hurt others so that we won't be hurt again but like a boomerang it has this sinister way of coming back circling back around us so that we become victims of our own inability, of our own unwillingness to forgive. I've been talking now for about 15 minutes, and I'm willing to bet that for about 14 and a half of those, 
you've been making a mental note of that people, of that person, of those people that you need to forgive. And I don't know, maybe it's one, maybe it's a long list. Maybe it's that loud neighbor. Maybe it's that husband that cheated on you. Maybe it's the old friend that betrayed you. Maybe your list is long. Maybe it's just one person. Maybe it's the person that you look at when you look in the mirror. Maybe C.S. Lewis was right. That forgiveness is just fine right up until the point where there is someone who needs forgiving. Church, let's face it, learning how to forgive, to truly forgive, not just, way, not just when you say you forgive someone, but you still, you still hold on to that resentment. You keep it in your back pocket just in case you may need it at a later date. Not just like that old country song where we buried the hatchet, but we left the handle sticking out just in case. <laughs> Learning to forgive is not for sissies. It doesn't come naturally. And sometimes that wound that we feel is so deep, so deep that we can't muster anything remotely like forgiveness until, until we take that first step and then another and then another. And when we do, when we do finally forgive that person, those people, when we finally get rid of that bitterness and that anger, that resentment, that rage, oh. that night after dinner, we were walking back to the car and I put my arm around Abby and I said, so how was the cupcake? And with a smile from ear to ear, she said, it was even better than I imagined.